Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. Reminding you tonight, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. You join CBS Sports Network on the pitch for the last regular season Major League Rugby match between the Utah Warriors and the Houston Cybercats. It's only on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. You want to watch some rugby, brother? We got it. I played a year of rugby. Tom doesn't know about this. Tom's also calling people right now, so I can't say this to Tom. However, we do have Billy Jack, do we? Yes, we do. Billy Jack, baby! Hey, Billy, did you ever play rugby? You ever play Never rugby, did. Billy? I'm tell- If you can get over the short shorts, it's kind of fun. It's actually a lot of fun. Played a season of it. It was good stuff. All right, now that we filled time properly, we go to our guest. Because while we do love rugby here on the show, and while we do support rugby here on the show, we are also supporters of the NBA Finals. We are also supporters of a dramatic matchup. Between the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors, and now the Golden State Warriors find themselves with their backs against the wall. No, not really. It's only been one game. But could they find themselves with their back against the wall soon? Let's ask Monty Poole, NBC Sports Bay Area. Monty, thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Where you're at, well, not where you're at, but still, thank you for joining on the show this morning. Not a problem, man. Not a problem. Happy to be uh, able to help. All right, Monty, it was a loss on Thursday. Draymond and Drake got into it. I guess there was a there was a kerfuffle, possibly whatever you want to kind of call it. Uh, but should Warriors fans be concerned after Game One, or is this a wait and see type of period here? No, I think well, Game One gave them plenty of reasons to be concerned, um, and I say that because of a couple of reasons. One, uh, I think going into this series, you know, if you paid attention to the NBA, you knew that Toronto was a terrific defensive team and they were they are um they're long they're athletic and they are very engaged two though and i'm not sure warriors fans understood this going in they are that very 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 rare team that has five starters that are all threats to shoot from anywhere you just that's tough to defend after the game uh, the warriors talked about their rotations and how uh slow they were and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when, when you've got five guys, who can you leave? I mean, it, you're kind of stuck in no man's land where you don't want to leave where you are, but you want to make sure you get there in time for the other guy. And, but when you've got five starters, uh, this is something the Warriors have never seen. They can all – Gasol shoots the three. Siakam shoots the three. Leonard, Lowry, Van Vliet off the bench, Danny Green. <laughs> uh, they just keep coming with it. Sergi Baca, Norman Powell, they all shoot the three ball. And the Warriors have always had a team, whether it was the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals, Cleveland, Houston, 
there's always at least one guy that you know can't hurt you beyond five feet, whether it's Tristan Thompson, Clint Capella, somebody like that. This is different, and it's going to take quite an adjustment. I'm curious to see how it works out in game two. Find this man on Twitter, at Monty Poole, with an E at the end of it, NBCS. First year that Golden State went to the finals, that was 2014, correct, Monty? Real quick, correct? 2015. 2015, okay, that, uh, that, that season, first year, 2015, you're right. Okay, the first year they go to the finals, there's a difference in how Golden State plays with everybody else. What you just described to me, though, with Toronto seems to be the way that I've, I've seen Golden State when they first went to the finals in that 2015 season. Do you think that this is a product of, hey, the rest of the league is eventually going to start to play the way that you do, and maybe we see teams that are trying to play the way Golden State is, and now they have to adjust to something that they were at the spearhead of back in 2015? Defensively, I'd say, yeah. Um, you know, the, the Raptors are able to switch like the Warriors do. Um, they were engaged like the Warriors were back then. The Warriors were a top three defense for the first couple of years in the postseason, first four years until this season. They came into the postseason as a top three defense this year. Toronto's that. They're number two in postseason defense this year. So that part, yes. But the Warriors have never had – well, I shouldn't say never. Uh, when you've had Draymond Green at center – you know, you can consider him a three-point threat, at least at that time, because he is willing to shoot it, and he made a decent amount. But not so much anymore. You just don't see it very often. Uh, for the most part, the Warriors were playing around Bogut at center, and Bogut's a good playmaker, but he ain't going to hurt you with 20-foot shots. <laughs> you know, so uh, on the offense, it's very different, I think. Uh, yeah, they had Curry. They had uh, Thompson. They had Harrison Barnes. But, but Draymond was the four, and he could shoot the three. But Bogut was mostly the five. He could not. Now, when they brought in Mo Spates at that time, Mo Spates could shoot the three ball. So, to a degree, yes. But the Warriors have never had eight guys on their roster. You said, this guy can shoot the three, that guy, that guy, that guy. And you go down the list and you go, my God, who do we not, who do we disregard? None of those eight guys. Was not needing Kevin Durant a dream that Golden State Warriors fans had just because they think that Kevin Durant's going away? Uh, you know, there may be something to that. Uh, you know, I, I think the knowledgeable fans never bought into it. Uh, how can you say you, you're better? I, some people for a while, they thought, well, you know, maybe the Warriors are better without. No, they're not. This is a guy who won the last two <laughs> finals MVP awards. This is a guy who was having a terrific postseason uh, until he got hurt. So, no, and uh, Kevin Durant is a walking bucket, mid-range, three ball, in the paint. Uh, he's just, he's probably the hardest guy to cover in the league. And so you're not better without that guy. Now, that said, uh, they played very well against Portland. They, they were tighter. Um, they were more engaged because they knew they had to be without KD. Now they're seeing a different animal, though. This is, you know, they've gone from playing uh, forwards like Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu to forwards like Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. It's a difference. Monty Poole joining us on the show. Man, you're so right about that. I know you cover the Warriors but do you notice any differences? And this is a tough question to ask, but I, I love to ask people this because I thought Dwayne Casey was a hell of a coach, and maybe Nick Nurse is a little bit more offensive. But do you notice a difference in the way Nick Nurse coaches the team than what Dwayne Casey did? Well, the thing that I noticed most of all is that this team, I'm, I'm not sure it's the coaching staff or what, but this team seems to be a lot more um, resilient, you know, there's, there's more hubris. Now, maybe this is Kawhi's presence. I don't know, because Kawhi and Danny Green have both made deep runs and, and won championships. 
maybe that's it. But the other night in game one, uh, I think the old Raptors would have folded a couple times as the Warriors kept coming back, getting within one, two, three, or whatever it was. These guys didn't blink. <laughs> they didn't blink. <laughs> oh, you're going to get within three? We're going to go up eight. You get, oh, you get within four? We're going to go up ten. I mean, whatever the Warriors had, the Raptors answered with. And, again, I don't know if that's a function of the coaching staff change or if it's a function of the presence of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. But in any case, that's the biggest difference that I've seen. I always thought the old Raptors were, got, were teams that would, you know, make it tight down the stretch and they'd find a way to lose. Uh, this team in game one, at least, did not show any signs of that at all. They didn't blink. Monty Poole joining us on the show. What should be the worry, what should be the worry level with Warriors fans right now? And what well, do you think it is in real life? I'd say a Probably a six or a seven. Um, because, <laughs> That's oh, yeah. a little higher than what I thought it would know. be. Well, I say that because you don't know how effective Big Dollar's going to be. In game one, he wasn't very effective on offense. Uh, the Raptors let him shoot, and he didn't punish them. He didn't make them pay. Uh, and he's got a bad wheel. And if his leg is a problem, it's going to affect his shooting mechanics. And if that happens, then it's hard for him to be effective, and the Raptors will continue to let him shoot and he won't have, he'll have a hard time hurting them. That's one reason. The other reason is we don't know when KD will be back. I do believe he'll be back at some point, game three, game four. But um, at this point, if you're a Warriors fan, you don't know that. And so you're thinking, my God, I've got Iguodala out there on a bad wheel doing the best he can. I've got KD out there. on a, Oh, he's not even out there on a bad wheel. Um, so if, if KD were healthy, if Andre Iguodala were healthy, First of all, I think game one would have gone differently. And second of all, the worry level would be probably a three. Mm, my goodness. Well, Andre Iguodala says he's going to be okay for game two. Is that still true? He's going to play. Okay. Whether he's okay, we'll find out. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, in game one, the, the calf injury that he has has kind of been there for a while. They, they sat him out of game four against the Blazers uh, because it was nagging at him then. They thought the long layoff would help, and I guess it did. But – then he limped off the court in the fourth quarter of game one. So it's not totally gone away. He's just playing through it. It's a pain thing, and he's playing through it. With, with Kevin, uh, his injury is, is more severe, obviously. I mean, he has actually a – they're calling a strain, and somebody else said, no, it's really kind of like a calf muscle. In any case, his is more severe. They thought it would be a week or two or three at first, and now we're in the week four. So uh, his situation is a lot more tenuous. Uh, and we know how good he is, but if he can't go, it makes a big difference. So uh, I think if Iguodala is good, yeah, the Warriors can figure out a way to, to, to beat this team in game two and even the series going back to Oakland. If they're down 0-2, Monty Poole joining us, NBC Sports Bay Area. If they're down 0-2, does Kevin Durant try to force him and get ready for Wednesday? Uh, they say no, and i got to believe him because these guys understand. I mean, the coaching staff, the training staff, they understand that, that there are three body parts you don't experiment with when, when there's a problem. The groin, the hamstring, the calf muscle. Those three spots, if you put somebody up there a little bit early, you risk losing them for a long time, in this instance, for the rest of the, the, what remains of the series. So yeah. um, those kind of injuries, you've got to wait until it's healed. And if it's not healed, you put somebody out there, it's, it's foolish. Well, because it, with Kevin, 
and maybe I'm maybe I'm oversimplifying it here. Monty, please correct me. But with Kevin, they seem to play a lot different basketball than what they do when it's just the other three. So if you put Kevin out there and he's injured and you try to play the Kevin Durant style of basketball, what could be seen as what a help is because he's such an obviously great player, it could be a real burden to them going against a team that is firing on all cylinders like Toronto. I uh, totally agree with you there. Uh, you put Kevin Durant out there at 80%, I don't know if it helps him. Um, what it does, if he's at 80%, maybe he can do some things. But this Toronto team, and another word that kept cropping up as we discussed uh, game one with the Warriors, was speed, how fast Toronto is. Okay, <laughs> you want to put a guy out there who's got a bad wheel? No. You know, and so you got to be able to not just uh, – you got to be able to run at a fast pace to keep up with these guys. And if, if uh, KD's not able to do that, again, uh, I, I think it's, it's crazy. So – you don't want him out there at less than 100% because I don't know how much he can help you in this series if he's less than 100%. Other than getting the occasional bucket and some one-on-one isolation action, that's not going to cut it. Is Andre Iguodala a Hall of Famer? Ah, I was thinking. Tough call. Um, I've heard, I, I think it's a tough call. I've heard people say, no, he's not. You know, if, you have to, if you have to stop and think about it, then he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, if you can talk about basketball without – mentioning his name, he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that he does so many things that fly under the radar that he probably won't get in. But I think if you really look at what he's able to do, his impact on the teams he's been with, uh, I think that there's a chance he gets in. So if I'm a voter, I'm looking at a guy that's won three or four championships, you know, a guy with a finals MVP award, uh, a great one-on-one defender, great on-ball and off-ball defender, um, and a great playmaker, versatile. Um, I, I'm thinking that I would lean toward putting him in, but I know it's going to be a tough sell on some people. Monty, we thank you very much for the time. I know you're busy as busy can be because it is the finals, but thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Ken. Take care, man. You too. Monty Pool, NBC Sports Bay Area. Find him on Twitter at Monty Pool with an E. NBCS. 855-212-4CBS. We'll get back to this coming up in a little bit. Also next, five writing questions. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. We just stumbled on some hot issues that we are going to carry right into the show. We are carrying it right into the show. I don't care. I was going to talk finals and we were going to go to five burning questions. Forget it. Five burning questions at 1240, we hope, at p.m. Eastern, 940 Pacific. Something about the spelling bee brought, got brought up. Now, I don't care that eight guys, or excuse me, there were, uh, was there two girls, three girls? Uh, uh, eight children uh, were octo champs, eight-time whatever champs. All of them got to be champions. I don't care about any of that stuff. Each of them got $50,000. That's an incredible sum. And they each, they each got a trophy. And I ain't going to remember any of them because I don't think that any of us really remember Spelling Bee champions, and, and they get a nice thing, and congratulations to all of them. Tom let me in on a little bit of a secret, though. Now, now make sure we can back this claim up. Is this true, Tom? Go ahead. I'm working on it right now. Go ahead. Now, because we're going to get into a very – we're going to get into a very strong – sociological conversation here in a second. Please go right on ahead. No, oh, no, I'm, I'm verifying it. Okay, you're verifying it? All right. So do I, do I want to ask the question regardless here? Do I want to ask this question anyway? So what was rumored here is that the reason there have been eight champions 
is that the field you used to have to qualify for this, for the spelling bee. Yeah, no, it's real. Okay, this is real. Sorry, okay, continue. so you used to have to qualify for the spelling bee. Now you can buy your child into the spelling bee. Is that correct? Yeah. Or you could, yeah. How much? There's a pay-to-play option called RSVB, first rolled out in 2018. Program enables spellers who have not won a regional or state bees to apply for a shot in the national event for $1,500. That's it? That's a lot. You got to up the price. You got to up the price. Parents really? will spend. Serious? Yes, you got to make it a five. You got to make it five grand. Parents Ugh, will pay for that. Disgusting. Parents will. Of course ask, they will. Parents will pay for it. And it's absolutely disgusting. But away we go with this conversation, and let's get disgusting, baby. I'm fine with it. So fifteen hundred dollars, you need to up that to five thousand. First off, second of all, I said it's a bad investment. Fifteen hundred, five thousand. I thought I guessed ten grand at first. I didn't realize it was that low. You're getting a bargain if you're thinking about it, because most of the kids. Like we we all if you have kids and they pay they play like youth sports, the price of youth sports, I have three sons and I just I shudder at what I'm gonna pay here in the next how many years. A lot of us pay a lot of money for our kids to play youth sports. Well, a lot of us don't have the type of talented children or I should say naturally gifted children that these children are. So if we're willing to pay that much money, I think you're willing to pay that much more. But I think it's a bad investment. Tom, you, you went to an Ivy League school. You were Ivy League educated. Did you win a spelling bee? No, I never won a spelling bee. What's the point of buying your kid into this then? What's the point? Um... Because if you're in the world of academics, which these children are, correct? Yeah. Correct. Then if you're going to make an investment, you make an investment based on where they're going to be. How, are, are there, are, there's got, I'm sure there's one that somebody's going to find. Are there many CEOs of Fortune 500 companies who are, who are spelling bee champions? I don't think so. There's there just no per- reason to expect that one that's, would correlate that's into saying. anything else. Exactly. I think this is it. I think there's a exactly. culture. I think this is a – so if you're a, a, a spelling bee person or a kid or a family, yes. it's like a culture. Yes. The whole family is involved in it. Very often these kids are homeschooled. All so right. it's a very intense, very committed thing that if you <clears throat> excuse me, end up losing your regional B – but you're totally committed to this thing, you might think that it's worth it to just pay the way in so that you know you can continue this quest of spelling. I don't really understand it, uh, and I, I agree that it's not a good investment, but I think that's how we end up getting 562 well, people in the spelling. The reason why we pay for it is so we can put it on a on a entrance exam, correct? Or on I a guess so. uh, it also could application. Be publicity, if they get to the end, I mean, it's on, it's on ESPN. The winner gets fifty grand. Runner up. Guess local 25. news will do a story on him. Yeah, right. I guess. Exactly. So there might be there yep. might be a little bit there. Oh, and the investment back is if you're a winner. Yeah, you get fifty grand. So you get that back out of it. But what I'm sitting here thinking, Tom, is that do you did you need to win the spelling bee to get into an Ivy League school? I assume that all these kids will be able to get into Ivy League schools. The, uh, I mean, each one of these eight winners assumption. will be able I don't to get. Ass- in. I don't necessarily assume that, but yeah, sure. It, it has nothing to do with. Winning spelling bees. Do you see the words that they can spell? It's impressive. I think they'll yeah. be able to get in. I think they'll be able to get in. I assume. Okay, well, and that might be a strong assumption. Vocabulary is not what gets assumption. you into college. Well, I I assume that if you're that good of a speller, you're that good with other academics. Like I don't, I don't think that I I would assume that if they can spell those words that I can't even pronounce that they were given the other night, I think that they have no problem with long division. So I think they'll be okay. But you and I got into an argument about what now, Tom? Now where did this go? Well, this went of to what the, the pay. what what is worth an investment. The Lori Lo- the Lori, Lori Laughlin paying yes, yes paying your way into college. And you thought I, you got mad at me because I said that I you thought it was it. ridiculous. 
No, no, I no, I wouldn't pay to fudge the numbers on a on a score. On no, no, a no test. that's not what we're saying. We're saying this: your kid doesn't have the grades, didn't work hard enough to get into USC, but you have the means to make a payment and get them in. Would you do it? Yes or no? That was what we. That's what we. I thought and that's I what said, we disagreed with. I said I would. I, yeah. If I felt that the child, if I felt that my kid was close, like if my son is like me in high school, uh, I'm not paying. So if they're I'm on the serious. borderline, you would do it. That wasn't the well, question, Tom, though. Yeah. Well, Tom, I'm not. If my son was like me in high school, I'm sorry. I'd look at him and go, "I'm not paying for you to go to Notre Dame. You're not a good investment. I'm sorry." Well, that's harsh. I, I'd have to. Well, it's true. <laughs> but is yeah, it okay. is it not true? I have three sons, so if right. my first son is not smart enough to go to Notre Dame but wants to go to Notre Dame and I had the money to do so and I would go, okay, I guess I'm going to put it – I'll pay for you to go to Notre Dame and we can we can help build a building. So I give a donation and they'll go, we'll let you into Notre Dame. I'm not going to do that because I don't think you're a good investment and I right now I would feel that you would you fail out of Notre Dame. Wow. Well, you don't have to I feel that way. So look, see, see, you may not have been an amazing high school student but and not necessarily have been deserving of going to Notre Dame, but you weren't a bad investment. Look at you. You're a huge success. That's it. My if, but you had your own me, path that came Tom, from your own work equaled mm-hmm. your own results and you figured out how to make that work for you because that is what the life experience is and there's no reason to buy something that robs your own children of a life experience. Now, my father did not pay for my schooling, but my father did tell me on the day I graduated college that he and my mother did not believe I was going to graduate college. He told me that. Well, well done. You did it. He didn't, he didn't tell me before I went to college because I wasn't asking him for money before I went to college. If I would have been asking him for money, I feel I might have gotten that truth. I was not a great high school student. So I can only – it's the same thing. I might be the greatest entrepreneur, but if I go to the bank for a business loan – and I don't present them with something well in my track history, my, my track record hasn't been that good, and they'll give me money. It's the same thing with a father, shouldn't it be? It I should guess. be, if shouldn't it? If your kid is interested in pursuing an education, I don't know. Even if, you, can, even if you have your doubts and, that they can succeed, you should support and, and it. I would look at him, I would look at him and I would go, Tri-C is a fantastic opportunity for you to better yourself. We can revisit this issue later on. But you need to go to a local college. You need to make a better investment in yourself before I invest oh, in exactly. you. exactly. Yeah, that's what I would say. And, and look, but if my my son came to me and he was and he had Notre Dame grades, but didn't get into Notre Dame, and I had the wherewithal to put down thing, whatever thousands of dollars, yeah, I would put it down. What that's the hell? A different thing. That's different than than having a child who is on social media flaunting the fact that they do no work, but they somehow got into USC, and then well, we yeah, find that's out asinine. that the reason why that's they asinine. got into USC was because they broke yeah, the law it. and paid yeah. it off. But well, I will also say this. It's fine not being a great high school student. The smartest people I know weren't good high school students. Most people that end up being smart as adults and as professionals develop later, kind of just it's like true. athletes, kind of just like athletes. It's just but, another muscle. So it's fine. But I'm saying is there's value. All of those people had to take their own path to get to that breakthrough of being but, smart out in the world, of realizing not, what they needed to improve on as students, as learners. And you can't get there if your parents yes. are just buying your shortcuts. That's true. See, I would, I would agree with that. But I can't look back on it now and say my dad was, a, was an encumbrance to me because I can't say back then that I was worth that investment. I wasn't worth that investment back then. So now I if I was worth the investment, and I was. Oh, I think it is true. You just said that people change. Well, yeah, exactly. people change. I'm a much different person right now at thirty, almost 33 than what I was at 17 going on 18 getting ready for college. So if I'm a different person then, and obviously my priorities have changed, well, I know a lot more then, so I don't even think it's fair and equitable. And I don't know if I can blame my father 
father. If my father said, okay, I'd put more money into you if you took your studies a little bit more seriously, I really look back with honesty and say, I wouldn't blame the old man for that. I really wouldn't blame Ken Sr. for that because I was a goofball and an idiot in high school. I don't blame him at all. I just think that it's kind of hard to say I go. wasn't worth the investment when you turned out to be you. Clearly you well, were. Clearly well, if you had bought stock in 18-year-old Ken Carmen, you'd be doing pretty pretty well right now. It would have taken a minute for that stock to mature, though, now would it? As it always does. And there are plenty of people who get rich on great stocks, and then there's plenty of people who wish they would have gotten in on the ground floor of things that they had the opportunity on, and they didn't. What are you going to do? You win and you lose. We're talking investments here with people. And I would look at it as a father the same way any business would look at me as an entrepreneur. If I wanted to open up a series of drive throughs around Northeast Ohio and I didn't have the proper business model, I expect to be shut down by every bank around here. And I would expect to be shut down by the old man. You read? Is that good? Yeah, no, that's fair. There you go, Tom. Just don't buy your kids' way into schools that they don't. You know, yeah, I'm not going to be like I'm not going to be like big Tom Callahan over here. All right, he's not going to go to Marquette, being like Tom Callahan. God rest no Brian Dennehy's still alive, so God rest little Tommy's soul. Eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. Coming up in a bit, I know a way Adam Silver's weird idea can become a really good idea. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Tom, let me have it, baby. All right, we begin in the NBA. Time for five burning questions. Go ahead. Yes, we begin in the NBA where the Clippers have been fined a whopping $50,000 for tampering after Doc Rivers said Kawhi Leonard is the most like Jordan we've seen since Jordan. They are clearly desperate to land Leonard. There have been other uh, avenues they've gone down to to try to impress Kawhi and lure him in in that direction. However, Kevin Durant isn't out of the question for the Clippers either. So how's this for a first burning question? If you could only have one or the other moving forward, would you choose right now Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. It's that automatic for you, huh? Yes, I think so. I know that everybody's in love with Kawhi Leonard right now. Kawhi Leonard was questioned when he first went to Toronto. Now, I know he's putting in a great performance. Kevin Durant's a back-to-back finals MVP, folks. Now, if, if Toronto wins this, more than likely Kawhi Leonard will be the finals MVP. So it's not, I, I should say it's not so hands down. Not, it doesn't mean that Kawhi Leonard sucks. I'm just pointing out that that's my first decision. I made that decision strongly. Kawhi Leonard is good, but yeah, I'm taking Kevin Durant. I even know Kevin Durant gets into it with 14-year-olds on the internet, but I still know that Kevin Durant is going to leave it on the floor when he's ready to play on the floor. He doesn't bring it with him to the office the way that other guys on his team seem to bring it with him to the office. Next! All right, uh, new Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur made some headlines this week when he tore his Achilles playing a game of horse or pickup basketball. I guess it depends on the story. He will now uh, coach the rest of the summer from a cart. And some have actually been critical of this. Ken, do you have any problem with an what? NFL head coach what? playing pickup basketball? Why are they, why, well, oh, him playing basketball? Yes. Oh, I thought Not you meant cart. him coaching from a cart. Not the cart. It's like no, Don him, Shula him coached from a cart. himself playing basketball. What is the matter with the coach playing basketball? That's a new one. Who's upset about this? There are there have been many people. Of course, this is social media, but there have been many <laughs> I people would be like, criticizing the guy. I hate doing this. Yeah, I kind of would be like, name one. But if they're Packer fans, you're really upset. Like I have said before in Cleveland, I am uncomfortable and have a problem with Miles Garrett playing pickup basketball. Miles Garrett plays pickup basketball all the time, and I always get people, and this is what fans do, 
They say, oh, Ken, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look at him. I go, yeah, and t- it's, it's nothing to worry about until it's something to worry about. If Miles Garrett gets hurt playing pickup basketball, people are going to freak out. But he's a player. Like, they made Patrick Mahomes stop playing pickup basketball, right? He's a player. Matt LaFleur, is not, is Matt LaFleur going to play and coach, or is he just coaching? He's just going to coach, right? He's just going to coach. I guess the haters are saying that it limits what? his ability to coach. Limits his ability to what? And this is a big job that he got. It's his first job. I think it's ridiculous. It's just Paul Bryant it's used to out there. Paul Bryant used to stand up in a tower, and that's how he did. That's how he did practice. This this affects his ability to coach. No, that's. I would I would hope that this is just busybody stuff because it's we're going into the sports end of the year with sports and people are finding things to complain about because that's stupid. The guy does not have a physical role in the field to play. He can play basketball. It's like Miles Garrett can play all the basketball he wants after he's done playing football. But I think it's not a good idea for him to play basketball during his NFL career. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, I agree with that too. Why do I always get pushback? It's just because they're fans, right? Like if he played for the Giants and I spoke to him about the Giants, people are going, "Oh yeah, I don't want to play and play and pick up basketball." Uh, am I right about that? Yeah, and I All think right, it just want to make sure. And it links into the fact that what you said, like quarterbacks and other stars, people are already uncomfortable with it, so it was like an easy transfer. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's silly. Like I, like I'm a radio show host. I don't work out. I'm not supposed to work out. I have to be ready at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No treadmill for you, Ken. No treadmills, baby. Okay. Uh, SEC country rejoicing as yesterday beer sales have been allowed again at SEC sporting events. There had been a ban in place. However, now it's up to the individual schools to decide if they want to sell beer in their stadiums. And Auburn and Alabama have already both announced that they will continue to not sell beer at their football games. What would you recommend uh, on this matter? It's a way to make money. I would do it the same way. Listen, it's just the same way as everything else. If you can't handle it, they're going to boot you from the stadium. I don't know why college can't. What, because because young guys are college power drinkers? Have you? How many NFL games have we been to? How many young guys are there drunk as hell at an NFL game? Many. If you find a way to police it and charge them out the wazoo for it, hopefully it'll curtail some of that drinking and some of that power drinking and ridiculousness. Because I, I bring this up all the time in the NFL. They don't want you being surly. They don't want you being nasty. They hate that they see those videos on Mondays. That's part of the reason they charge you 9 10 11 bucks a beer. And they can do that in college football. Did you see the Georgia story that they have, Tom? Yes, I did. Did you see that part? Yeah. Did you mention that? You didn't I mention did not, that, did you? No, okay. Did yeah, at Sanford Stadium, if you've donated $25,000 or more in the last five years... You can drink alcohol. This is a real thing. You can drink alcohol in their stadium, but only in designated areas. So you can have your beers in little little spots around the stadium. That's only if you paid twenty five grand to drink it, which that's got to be the most expensive draft beer if you can think about it in the in your life. Next, I just don't even understand that too. You're gonna go. You're gonna drink before the game. You're gonna leave Plenty during the do, game yeah. and go to the area and drink and not watch the game. Like what's the what's the, I don't. Very yeah. strange. I agree. Okay, Toronto, obviously, wonderful city, beautiful place. People very much enjoying that the NBA Finals are there as the entire NBA media has descended you on the town. To and uh, yeah, and unfortunately, somehow Cleveland has gotten dragged into this. Obviously, Cleveland has been a host site for the NBA Finals many times in recent years, and many in the NBA media can't help 
but point out that they are enjoying Toronto more than they had enjoyed Cleveland in the past. Uh, is critiquing should critiquing the city be any part of the NBA Finals experience? I think that the divide between the the writer and by the way, I was being I was joking. I wanted you to bring this up for me. Uh, I think that the the difference between writer and fan is the biggest in the NBA, and this is part of the reason why. And I've mentioned that before because of just the the whole fighting for the players thing, basically beating us over the head that players can do what they want. I don't think it's great for the overall health of the game. I think that players moving freely wherever they want, while, yeah, I believe in free agency, I believe in free will, I also believe in trying to find ways to make it marketable for everybody in the area, and that if there's a belief with a fan base that their best player is just going to leave, especially when you're publishing stories before they're off the court, ESPN, when it came to Giannis Antetokounmpo, I will say that right there. I think that that's not good for the game, and I think that's not good for your core fan base of what you're trying to do. And people keep giving me China. People from China are not going to NBA games in America unless they're going on great big grand vacations. People from Milwaukee go to Milwaukee Bucks games. And if you keep telling me that Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to go, while well, I'll go and I'll support it while he's there. After he's gone, you're telling me that none, no great player is going to stay in my city in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm just going to go watch the Packers. I'm just going to go watch the Brewers, who have been able to get top-shelf players to stay for their team, and hopefully you'll be able to get them. And in the NFL, where if you have a belief, and everybody has a belief, that if you have a great quarterback, which is the most important factor to it, that he will more than likely, with the exception of something crazy happening, stay with your your franchise until the day he retires. I think that's a bad thing. And I don't know why NBA writers consistently deny and act as if Detroit fan, a regular Pistons fan, a regular Thunder fan, a regular Orlando Magic fan, a regular Bucks fan, you know where I'm going with this, doesn't matter. They do. They do matter. They are part of your product. They're part of what makes your product great. And they need to be protected. And you are causing a problem with it. But you can continue to talk about player empowerment and talk down to the regular fan all you want. The second part of this is what you wanted me to get to. I don't understand where NFL writers go to Canton, Ohio, which is a small town in in, in Ohio that I'm from, for a week. And they don't have really anything nasty to say. One time when the paint congealed all over the field, they couldn't play the Hall of Fame game. There were a couple of writers who wrongly... Well, this is why we shouldn't be in Canton, Canton of all things, which the person who was painting the field was from Toledo, Ohio, but I digress. That was the one time I became cross with any of that stuff. But for the most part, NFL writers spend time in Ohio in a small town, and they say nice little things about it that basically painted out to be a Norman Rockwell painting. And being from there, it ain't always that way, but it is a nice little thing. What I don't get is that where football and baseball and hockey writers are perfectly fine and can go and travel and don't have to open up their yaps about where they're traveling to, NBA writers, for whatever reason, when they go to the finals, and maybe it's because they're bored by their own sport, so they feel they need to be they need to be empowered in their own right or challenged in their own right, I don't get why an NBA writer all of a sudden has to feel like they're Anthony Bourdain. Like you, you, you bring up Bruce Arthur in the comparison between Cleveland over the last four years and Toronto. Toronto is one of the biggest cities in the world. Cleveland, Ohio isn't even the biggest city in Ohio. And being from here, there's great things here. But I think it's the lowest common denominator, and Bruce Arthur being a, a thoughtful person and a smart person and a good writer, and I mean all that, I would think he would be above it. Now, I am being sensitive, hypersensitive to it, because you're 
making people hypersensitive to it. When you make these type of comparisons, and we still do this, and then you maybe act surprised that fans have that type of reaction, I don't know what else to tell you. Of course they're going to be upset, because when they consistently hear how bad their city might be, they're going to have a negative reaction. That's why I might rip a fan base. It's usually in jest, but I might rip a fan base. I'm not going to rip where people live. I know where I'm from. I know what team I root for. I know their chief rival. I've been to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania 20, almost 30 times. I will tell you this. At the beginning of my time going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I was a knucklehead. I went on the south side. I got put in the back of cop cars. I did not have a good time in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I tell the Pittsburgh Zoo story all the time about a guy dragging fish out of the water like he was fishing. It was unbelievable. But I will tell you that Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is a fine city with fine people that is very, very clean, that has a lot of well-educated people, that have a lot of decent, hard-working Americans in that city, and they happen to like the team that I hate. But there is a difference there. And I think if you go out of your way to try to find the worst thing about places that you go to, you're just showing your ass about how much of a miserable person you can possibly be. So please, I know that you all want to be the next Anthony Bourdain, Keep it to yourself. This is not against Toronto. I know I mentioned Pittsburgh. This is not against Pittsburgh. Because wherever you go, there are people there who are trying to make the very best life in the situation that they're in, and they can't always leave the way we think they can. And they're very proud of the life that they've made for themselves in the place that they're at. And you insulting them only makes you look worse, not the other way around. Thank you. That might have been four, but that's the end of five burning questions, right? The last one was about soccer anyway, so you would have hated it. Well, no, I don't hate soccer. See, there you go. Champions League final You're- today. Liverpool, Tottenham. 180 people around the world. I'm sorry, 180 million people around the world go expected Spurs. to watch. Go yeah, Spurs! There you go. there you go. Up next, yes, I love Drake, and I know a way to make Adam Silver's weird idea into a really, really good one. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.